This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 767, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands and wearing their masks and holding it together. Like a 
Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 767. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Lanigan. Hello. And we are iFanboy. That's us. Forever and ever. Forever to be known. <laughs> Every week we read our comics, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call it the Pick of the Week. That's the book we lead the show with. And then we talk about other books, talk about other things we read, the patron pick. Hopefully some listener mail gets answered, and hopefully we have a good time. All of us, collectively, you, us, everyone. We have a good time. If, if you don't, what, what, what are we going to do? Although I guess it is our fault. That would be our fault. I mean, that's the formula, though. Right. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to make other people happy. So I'm just like, oh, I'll try to make Connor happy, and that tends to work. And the thing is, ultimately, this is an entertainment show. So hopefully, you're entertained. If you aren't entertained, then I guess that's our bad. But we'll try our best. Why are you constantly making excuses? I don't for know. Disappointing people. I just. I just assume. <laughs> Just assume they hate us. Everyone out there is just listening and rolling their eyes. Hate listening. This bullshit again. Listening for 10 years. I hate it. <laughs> this week, Josh has the pick. I did. It's very nice. You know, you get a new number one issue or, you know, like a, a thing here and there, you know, that that's great. And, and that's fine. And you'll go back and be like, okay, it's not as exciting as it was. But there are a couple of things where... You know, they they come out and you go, oh, I really like this last one. And then that, you know, the newer one has that same thing. You know, the, it's just a voice or it's a, it's a thing you really like. And and so that's why we were talking about King and Black Thunderbolts number two. Mm-hmm. Now, number one was the pick? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. I wasn't sure if it was just a book that I really liked that week. No. You shocked Listen, the world with your King and Black pick. It was a Taskmaster kind of week. It was. And up until I got to Thunderbolts 2... My leader was was Taskmaster three, which I thought was funny, and I, I was like, Connor, I, I'm down to two Taskmaster books. <laughs> well, what's it's interesting like, is they're very different Taskmaster books. Yes, they're very yeah. different Taskmaster characterizations. Yeah, so let's talk about one, and then we'll get to the other one <laughs> okay. in a bit. You know, this is a pretty good Thunderbolts book, and when Thunderbolts is done really well, it can be a lot of fun. And I, I think it's really important to with these books is to be flexible mm-hmm. about them. And, uh, you know, the, the original Thunderbolts book was kind of fun and, it, you know, it was a little disbelievable, but you kind of went along with it, you know. And, and then I think my other favorite run was Jeff Parker with Kev Walker. He had a really good Thunderbolts run. And then there's this, you know, King in Black one. And, and I don't know why every time I've read a Suicide Squad book, I've wanted to throw it down and stop. But for something, for some reason, these uh, these Marvel ones have been really fun for me. So your team here is uh, Batroc Zilliber, great Batroc in this issue. I don't, I don't want to focus all on Taskmaster. You've got Star, uh, who's the uh, sort of evil Captain Marvel with yep. an Infinity Stone. We had that question last time. She's flat out evil. Is it evil, or is it she just doesn't give a? She's shit? a villain. Yeah, I guess. Which is fine. It's Which almost is good. Yeah, and then uh, Mister Fear, yeah. who. You know, is the is the clown basically of this of this thing, you know, but you actually, you know, uh, Taskmasters gets a little heroic. It's interesting because if if I were to really game that out, he's a guy who takes on the qualities and skills of other people. And if you look at this book, that's what he needed to be here is the leader guy. So he's sort of the, you know, the, the anti cap. But. You know, in the not not anti like opposite, but just sort of the you know uh, antagonist cap kind of character in this. He's like, well, I've got to lead the thing, and and you know, the boss Kingpin says, you guys can't wear your masks, so they don't have them on the whole time. And then he's like, that's it, put the masks on. You know, he's he's being the leader. He's got the shield, and there was just a lot of stuff in here that was really fun. 
uh, everything with Batrock, everything Batrock said was super fun. Right. You know, and he got to have a sort of a badass moment. Was it with Mr. Fear? When he yeah. sort of holds yep. him against the wall with his leg. And, and it's so, it, they do, it's a nice little thing that, that Rosenberg does. And I think people do it with this character. Is like, it's really easy to take one of these sort of weird supervillain characters and make fun of them. You know, your stilt man jokes, your yep. stuff like that. But when you do that, but then bring it back to like, oh, that's why this character has been around for a long time and is actually formidable. I really like that mm-hmm. as a thing. You know, it's fun to make the jokes for a little bit when you have that sort of dynamic, though. That can be fun. And, and the art really helped on that. That page I'm talking about, which is page seven on your digital reader, mm-hmm. you know, he's like in this full split and, and he's kind of smug. And, you know, Stark could just kind of not be bothered with the whole thing. You know, I I had fun with it. I think the art by Juan Ferreria Ferria. Uh, I think uh, is, Ferria. is Ferria. really fantastic. Ferria. And right down to the, you know, he colors it himself. Yep. And it's just great. Um, you know, the, there's just... It's got uh, – th- there's a page here where they they jump on a bus and they're, they're escaping the prison. And uh, you don't see them get on the bus. But you, know, you flip page and there's like a deer in the middle of the road and the sun's either going down or coming up. And, and the deer looks up and the second panel, you know, it's like a venom deer. Mm-hmm. And then the third panel is just them bursting through it with the bus, you know. Right. And, and, and to take a moment – with a little scene like that, like a little, if you were watching a movie, it would be like a, you know, like a smash cut to a serene sound. And then, you know, the, the mm-hmm. bus comes in from off camera. It's just got a sort of a nice cinematic pacing to it. You know, there's a, there's a thing where they drive a bus off a bridge and then star comes along and saves them. It, it's, I keep wanting to say anti superhero, but it's like bizarro superhero stuff. Like they're doing the hero stuff, right? But they're awful. I and mean, the thing is like taskmasters <laughs> of mercenary, so that's how you get around it. He's being paid, or not paid, in this case, paid with his life. Mm-hmm. He's been hired to do a job, and that job is not to kill someone this time. It's to, what, I don't even remember what they're doing. I think, I, think the, the, I think the order was just like, stop this. Right. I think that's what Kingpin's, I think that's their job. And, and just finally, the thing that put me over the top at the end right. is that they're trying to find this source of power, yeah. and it leads them out to Jones Beach on Long Island on the southern shore, and there they find <laughs> the lower half of the sentry stuffed in a bush. Because <laughs> he was ripped in half in the, in the story. Yep. Yeah, that was funny. They figure there's there's still a lot of power, and <laughs> God's got an, a lot of energy inside this half. <laughs> So they're going to make a bomb out of the lower half of the sentry, I guess. Which is um, terrific in terms of if you have to use the sentry, you might as well make, make them literally yep. the butt of a joke. Rosenberg's script is really funny. And I really look forward when I see his name on something because it is, it is always entertaining to read his stuff, I, I think. And, and, you know, it's that we, we haven't talked about this in a while, but you used to always talk about like the fun of something yep. when you can tell the creators are having fun with something. And that's yep. what's happening here. They're. They're just having fun with it. And one of the things I've noticed about the King in Black, all the minis that I've read, is it for some reason, and I don't know because I'm not reading the main story, which I'm, I'm sure is super arch, every book kind of seems like these are the ones who are going to fix things. Right. Like, like, I could see like, oh, these, this little Suicide Squad thing, they're going to be the ones to fix everything. And then over in the Fantastic Four, it seems like, no, they're the ones. It, you know, everyone that I read, like that seems to be the main linchpin of the thing. Uh, which is kind of interesting, and I'm glad that I hope that it doesn't all become a thing, and you know where they all are working towards something in the middle. Or the Black Knight, like his thing right. was, right? You know, his he was sword is needed. Yeah, yeah. 
And maybe it'll be they all come together, and that's what has yeah. to do it. It kind of lends stakes, though, to these little books that I think makes them a little more fun, as opposed to you like we're just driving through this thing, right? Which which is which is valid too, but um, I, the ones that I've really liked have actually seemed like it mattered to it. But I could just read this story and it would be fine. So he writes a great kingpin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did that. He did a great kingpin mini a while ago, which was not funny at all. <laughs> This group of characters is fun because, as you said, I mean, Mr. Fear is, is like a straight-up, like, classic bad guy. Mm-hmm. Star is in a gray area, but clearly landing on the side of villain. Taskmaster is a classic Marvel villain. And Batroc is not silly, but kind of, so... He's a little swashbuckly, is what he is. Yeah, so you don't have like a. F- he's like a. He's like a mercenary too, though. Yeah, so you have kind of everyone who loses in the gray. So they're they're bad guys, but they're also capable of reluctantly doing good. They're they're not re- they're not super happy about you know Star has to convince them to save the people the other villains in the prison be- from being overrun by the venom juice or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know. But they do it. I think you've got Norman Osborn in here for a little bit. So it's fun. I'm glad you picked it the first time because I would never have read this. And I'm glad I'm. <laughs> I didn't really think about what I would have picked this week, but uh, this would have been definitely in the discussion. Like I said, I had a lot of fun reading it. And the art is terrific. Yeah. It's yeah. Terrific. It, it, it's funny. I'd mentioned Kev Walker, but this has a little bit of a Kev Walker oh, feel to it. Oh, for sure it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really, it, what, a, what a great artist. I mean, really, all the way around storytelling, the acting, uh, the compositions. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's funny. Really you, you shouldn't feel it, but it it is a bit of a heroic moment when they when they put their masks back on and you get to, like the hero pose of them all together. It's like, yeah, I shouldn't feel that way about four villains, but I mean that's 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 de- that's classic deconstruction, right? I mean that's like you're you're taking the thing that you're used to that idiom and you're putting it on its head and 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 seeing what kind of feeling it gives you, and because that's really interesting. Traditionally, we don't like it when they make the villains heroic, but. True. In the context of the Thunderbolts, it works. And in the context of like... And depending on what villains they are. Yeah, and hey, the, the world is ending. It, right. It's not unlike... what was There was a, one of the deceased minis, the one with Jason yeah. Todd and all the villains. Unkillables. Yeah, yeah. It's a little like that. Like, it worked. Which is not the same thing as reforming, you know, Harley Quinn across the line right. to be... Well, that one was anchored by Deathstroke, which, again, is sim- similar to, to yes. Taskmaster. And the, and there are, very, there are pre-existing similar. conditions that make that work, I think. Right. Let's move on to Taskmaster, number three. Keep talking to Taskmaster. Jed McKay, Alessandro, Viti, Guru, EFX, and Joe Caramagna. And... Uh, it's funny because I, I, I've been enjoying this book, but then I think like I like the Taskmaster in Thunderbolts a little bit more. So when this book came out mm-hmm. the same week, the contrast was really stark. Yeah, I, and I, I like that, honestly, I, I think it's maybe that, that I, I mean, task, when I say I like Taskmaster, mm-hmm. it's because it's silly. It's not like there's a fixed character where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see how he decides this. He's kind of a cipher, again, in the same way that his powers work. Right. And you can do, and, and so, you know, it depends on the context, I guess, and how somebody's using him. No, I like it. I mean, he's he's a guy who is on the run because everyone thinks he did this murder and he didn't do this murder, and now you know he's he's being hunted by Black Widow, and so he's he's terrified because I, she's going to kill I, him. I love the fact that the one of the conceits of this book is that the thing he is most scared of is Black Widow. Yeah, like he took on Hyperion in the last issue. Right. Didn't seem all that bothered about it. He got messed up real bad, but like 
he was fine with it. But Black Widow, that's the real shit. He's he's really freaked out by her. And I like that. I think that's really interesting. You know, again, it's a really funny script. Like he he inserts himself among this group of apocalyptic death cult. Yep. And and there's all these jokes. He's like, these guys are hilarious. <laughs> and he's talking to Nick Fury on the thing. And he's like, well, do, do they know Arabic? He goes, these guys can barely read. Stop worrying about it. You know, and then there's there's another page in here. It's just a lot of really fun and funny situations. He 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 gets he gets bootleg pim particles so he can shrink and sneak into this office. But they don't work really well. And he starts beeping. Then he grows up big and he's got to run and, you know. He gets into a fight with this lady, and there's an amazing page here. Yeah. Page 16. Yep. Basically, he does all these moves against the the lady superhero who goes after him. And, you know, like, they're captioned, like, with titles. And it's like, that punch I saw one time. That uh, that kick Iron Fist uses. That throw that Cap used to toss me out a window. And it's super, you can hear the music. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's a play on that. The thing yeah. that Marvel uses where they identify all the kung fu moves. And he doesn't know yep. those names because he, he didn't study them. So he just knows... That stomp I saw Shang-Chi do one time. And so mm-hmm. it was very funny. It was great. And, uh, you know, it, it, that same thing where the art is perfect for the thing, like uh, for the, I mean, for the, the context that it's in, there's, there's pages in Taskmaster's face will sort of change. You know, mm-hmm. some, a lot of times it's scary skull, but every once in a while he'll be surprised by something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, you're looking at page 18 yeah. uh, at the top of the page. He's like, oh, you know, it's, <laughs> and it, it's just, it's a really nice line between silly and exciting. I think. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a caper kind of thing. It's yeah. fun. It's a romp. Um, it was funny to get both these books in the same week, but it, it it's they're both similar kind of capers yeah. where the taskmaster is out of his element, doing something mm-hmm. he's not used to normally doing. Like in the first book, he's being a hero. In the second book, he's he's on, terrified and on the run for his life. And also, he's more your classic looking taskmaster in this book but he's also got to you know he's got to do something good in order to help himself out which is to solve a murder basically yeah well he's he's, ostensibly he's trying to get these these uh, biological he has to copy their movements because that's how the the key for whatever the thing is he's got to do it's the broadcast energy transmitter he has to get the bio signatures of three different people so that he can open some file or something like that the only way Fury will help clear his name is if he gets these things so that Fury can can hack into some bullshit. Like that's it's like it's, it's convoluted. It doesn't really matter. So that, he's like, "You want my help? You got to go tr- copy these people's movements so I can open this biometric trigger, whatever it was." Did you notice the Korean superhero lady? She has a tail, like a horse tail. Oh, really? I which is weird. That. If you look on the last page, because he scrawls, "I didn't kill Maria Mar- Maria Hill." Um, which I, I don't know. It's it's it. I don't think it's as good a book as Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in terms of like craft. Issues of it too. But it's re- it was it's real fun to read and it is one of those things. Now three issues in, I see it comes out in a week and I'm like, oh, you know, like it's it's a highlight for me and I and I really like. That. She's the white fox. She has a fox tail. Oh, that's her fox tail. That and a big very W fetish. on her abdomen. Which is weird because you'd think that would be a Korean character of some kind. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Radiant Black. Yeah. Page number one from Kyle Higgins, who was a longtime DC writer under the Jeff Johns regime. He came from that school and uh, did a long run on Nightwing, which I really enjoyed, although I, th- I was thinking about it and I couldn't remember anything that happened in it, but I remember enjoying it. <laughs> Art by Marcelo Costa, Becca Carey on letters, and this is very much like, I would describe it as the greatest American hero, mm-hmm. but a failed writer. 
I read it just because I was mm-hmm. like, I should read another book. Yep. And I, I'm not, a, not, I don't like or dislike Higgins. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done stuff I've read and it's like, that's okay. But I've read other sort of creator yep. own stuff and it just didn't really do a lot for me. It's, it, it was really interesting to me though, is that this character, his situation is very specific. Um, and it's <laughs> yeah. one that I'm not unfamiliar with. You know, he, he leaves his small town to move to Los Angeles to become a writer, but he's massively in debt and he's driving Uber and he's finally got to go home, you know, and, and he's embarrassed way. about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, he meets his old friend Styles. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> any of those guys. Any of those guys, you know, and they, they go out on the town and, you know, you find out it's much worse. He He's talking about a book deal he's got, but he hasn't even written the book. And so he's, he's just kind of a, a, a loser, really. He says he has a book deal, but he really just talked to an editor one time four years ago. Years the editor ago. kind of liked his idea. Yeah. But he doesn't have it. Like, it gets worse the more he reveals, you know, it starts off, oh, yeah. I just, I'm just driving Uber while I write my book. And then it's, oh, I'm, I just got to get my book done. I got an editor waiting for it. And then once that happens, I'll get my advance. And well, he would have, he would have gotten his advance, advance already if he had actually had a book yeah. deal. But, and then it just gets so, worse and worse once you reveal that he went to L.A. and it was the classic story of he didn't even fail. He didn't even try. Yeah. And I think that we're not even gotten to the real point yeah. of the book, although I would disagree about that in a way. So it, basically he becomes Darkhawk. That's all it is. Well, I think it's the greatest American hero. It well, is all the same thing. But they stumble out of the bar and there's a glowing black orb, I guess, above the train tracks. Mm-hmm. When he touches it, he gets encased in a superhero outfit. And then the cops show up, and then there's a whole thing. Ron bought me the Darkhawk book at some point, and I actually read it. And it's it, like the way that the suit works. He gave works you one of his like, 25 copies of Darkhawk number one? No, no, he bought the trade. And, I, and to be fair, <laughs> wow. I read it. Wow. I'm not going to talk no, about I read it. it. I read it when it came out. I read all yeah. those. All I didn't write it when it came out. Anyway, it, that's exactly what it reminded me of. But yeah. either way, it's that same trope. Well, superhero trope, yeah. I will yeah. say two things. I think that was the least interesting part of it. I thought, wow, everything else before this had a real air of personal to it. And I know this guy. I know a lot of these guys. I have a lot of this guy in me. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was very familiar. It was very extreme. But I moved to Los Angeles. And I'm not currently a writer. So right. you do the math on that. <laughs> and I thought that was super interesting. So when it turns into the superhero story, I thought, I don't need this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just do a creator-owned book about the other thing. Image is going to publish that. No one's going to buy that one. I thought the characters were really interesting. And, yeah. the, and the conflicts and everything that were going on were also. Mm-hmm. I was into that. So when you introduce that other thing, it was a little like, you know, when, when you, you just make a supernatural book out of something, they don't have to. And it's just, it's a feature of comics that you have to have that fantastic element. But then the other thing was, I thought this is very personal. Yeah. He's a working writer though. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I went to the, it's also power Rangers. Cause he looks like a power ranger. Hmm. It, when I went at this time, I did read the essay in the back cause uh-huh. I wanted to know. Yeah. And there was a lot in there that was pretty bitter and pretty angry. And I, I don't know if he was talking about the comic industry or the TV industry. It looks like he'd been working. You know, he, I think he worked on the Power Rangers in some way. I don't know if it's the comic book. He wrote or the comic. Okay. You know, and, and he says, you know, fast forward to 13 years later, he tells the story. I'm moving to California. I've graduated from film school. I made a big superhero noir. And, and you know, that started helped me make a career in comic books. He made like a short film, I yep. think. And that got him his first job in comics. It was a different path back then and a pretty good one. And he goes, you know, which should have been a great thing, right? Considering my love of superheroes and storytelling. Yeah, it wasn't. 
Here's the thing I've learned. No matter who you are, no matter what industry you're in, there's going to be assholes. There's going to be clicks. There's going to be people who make you feel like you're eight and you still watch a show that's epically uncool. And I was like, oh, shit, he's having a, he's going through a thing here. <laughs> yeah. And that's what interested me. Yeah. I'm fascinated by, and this is most of the people in comics, mid-level folks. Because it is hard to make a living in comics. And it's hard to do it over a really long period of time. He's been doing it for a long time. Because we interviewed yeah. him on the video show. And that would have been 12 years ago. Like when like, he was brand new. And he, I remember yeah. we interviewed him at Comic-Con. And then I remember running into him at a free comic book day signing in LA. Like yeah. my first year in LA. In the Valley. And then he, we have mutual friends. Like he's friends yeah. of our, with our friend Ben Simpson. It was funny. I actually ran into him randomly with ben like two years ago at a restaurant yeah you know like, like just like you know he's he walked by and saw us and said i came to say hi to ben and like a super nice guy he's a solid writer you know and he's he's plugging away at it and no one ever talks about that mm-hmm. because you can't it's not your public thing you can't show that and he's doing this in book form and i found it really interesting so that's why, and at the end of the day, like the superhero part, fine, if you've got to put that in, there, that in there to sell the book. When he did that, it sounded like a, who was the guy who did Dynamo 5 and uh, Jay? Jay Ferber. It felt like a Jay Ferber book after that, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily Although I, I did think it was interesting. It, so he, he puts this suit on, and it's blue and white or black and white, it's hard to yeah. see with color. And, but then at the end, you see this, in Chicago, in Chicago, there's a guy Chicago. who is in a red and white version of the suit robbing a store or a bank or something, a bank. That's kind of interesting. It's not just this one guy. It's, there's multiple. The first suit found a generally good person who is going to become a hero, and then clearly whoever in Chicago found it is not so good. So And all that stuff is classic. But yeah. you know, I guess the more that you know, you can weave stuff in and keep it away from... Uh, uh, you know, just ex, ex, you know, easy to predict stuff. For, you know, like, you know, and then he writes his book and is a success. I, you know, that's not interesting. Right. Yeah. So uh, you know, I I did find it compelling. I I guess I I don't have a lot of hopes for it going forward, but I thought it was uh, I thought there was a lot of interesting. Yeah, I liked the first issue. Mm-hmm. I also really liked Eternals number two, which is funny. I almost didn't read it. If you recall, I was on the fence after the first issue. Like I liked it, but I didn't love it, and I was a little confused. For whatever reason, I thought this was really fun, compelling issue. Did you read it? Yes. I almost didn't. I did it out of, I was like, well, I should for the show kind of more than anything else. For one thing, I thought the little explainer in the middle was helpful because I don't know anything about the Eternals. So there's a bit in the middle, which I thought was the end of the book, where they, they go, sort of go through the timeline of the, the Titans and how the Titans broke, one faction broke off, and, and no, I'm sorry, the Eternals, which one faction broke off and led to the Titans, which led to the birth of Thanos, which... So they're indirectly responsible for his his being there. So that little snake timeline, actually, I was like, oh, okay, now I feel like I know what's going on much more. But it starts off with a big fight with, with Thanos, the, with the blonde guy. Icarus. I don't know who their name is. Fights Thanos, gets his ass kicked by Thanos, and the, sort of the fallout of that. There's a great panel that Isak Ribbit drew with shocked Thanos, much like Taskmaster on page eight <laughs> of a digital reader where he, because uh, Sprite had tricked him. He didn't actually kill the guy, the Eternal. He didn't actually rip his head off. So it was an illusion. And Isad Ribic's whole, th- like, he's a great artist, but his thing, like if I could identify a thing that he has, it's shocked faces. It's everyone with mouths mm. hanging open and surprise. I really like the little parable in the middle with the old man where we get sort of a flashback to Icarus and he has a vision about a young man on the beach seeing 
a creature. And so he goes and finds the man and tells him it's a primitive man. The man thinks he's a god. And he's, he says, you sort of have to keep watching this beach for this creature. And the guy basically does it for the whole, his whole life until he's an old man, collapses and dies on the beach. And then his grandson sees the creature. I thought it was a really great sort of classic folly of the gods kind of parable. Right. Who ruined this guy's life. So I felt like I had knew the characters, even if I don't know their names, I know a little bit better. And I thought the whole bit at the end with all of them together trying to figure out what was going on was, was good. I thought you know, it just looked it looked great, obviously. And, I, and I, for whatever reason, I just was more into what was going on. Slightly less confused. I kind of had an opposite experience. It was that, like, I kind of glazed over after a certain point. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really taking in information. I liked the little parallel bit in the middle. But I'll be honest, I don't know if I fully understand it. You know, well, the, yeah, the, or the, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. guy, he he said, wait here and tell me if the monster's coming. So the guy waits there for his whole life and misses most of it. But he still has a family and does everything. And, that you know, mm-hmm. they miss him. And then he dies. And then Icarus comes back. And then after all these years, the truth was revealed. His father was not mad. That made it work. And I just didn't quite follow it. And I wasn't driven to sort of reread it and understand it. Mm-hmm. I, I tried a little bit. And I was like, I, I don't know what this is. So I did have trouble with that. I think it looked beautiful. It's really interesting to me because that you said – I think, you know, Isad Rivik's one thing is is that sort of shock. I think I think of him most as yeah. characters with their mouths open, their eyes. Like, and oh. that's fine. Yeah. But it, when I'm looking at page eight, that's the one you're talking about, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. The actual drawing and composition on there was my favorite part of it. I don't think oh, yeah, I even yeah. noticed the face. But I noticed that drawing in this sort of extreme canted angle. So we're looking at him as if we were on the ground and tilted slightly. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got this really kind of interesting drawing of Icarus falling down in front of him. Uh, that was just beautiful. I, you had the rubble floating up behind him. Man, I, I know there was a time where I first just didn't get Isad Ribic, but I was wrong about that. That was years and years ago, and I've yeah. definitely come around. But man, it's it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Uh, but but story-wise, I just I just didn't... It's entirely humorless. Or at least in a way that I, I, of, that I think... Yeah, I was literally about to talk about the Eternal who's obsessed with Hollywood movies. In that way, that seemed out of place. I don't know enough about the Eternals. I don't know if that's, you know... Yeah. I just mean tone-wise. I was like, wait, are they talking about a movie? That's weird. That's what I thought. <laughs> the great machine, whatever it is that run that created the earth that they are responsible for maintaining doesn't work anymore. And so it's going to cause a massive global environmental disaster where the earth is going to die, which is pretty close to what's happening now. And the one guy's like, is it like Geostorm? Yeah. So when he said that, I thought, yeah, I didn't... is this an event that they're talking about? They can't be talking about that stupid movie. But they were. <laughs> Hey, maybe there's one Eternal Super into disaster movies. You don't that movie where they let you know in the trailer who the bad guy was. <laughs> that should have been a reveal in the film, but they were like, eh, we can't trust people about that. We'll tell them that it was Andy Garcia all along in the trailer. Yeah, I don't think they really cared. No. Did no, you see it? Clearly. I, of course I did. It's a weather machine that messes up all the weather on Earth. I don't remember a thing about it, but you're damn right I saw it. Was it good? I, I think just I saw you, I two minutes of about it, it in the beginning where, the, where they're in their cars and, and, was, and then it was like... The hail? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw it on a plane. Like I watched uh, on like the JetBlue thing. I see. Which is not the best way to watch a movie. No. Although that is also how I watched the Justice League movie and I don't think it did it any favors or harm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, 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 yeah. So I, I liked it. I didn't <laughs> love it and I don't know, you know how long I'll stay on but... I was surprised to have liked it as much as I did. 
to be fair, my criticisms of it aren't really like any. It's a it's a good comic book. It's thoughtful. It's well made. It just you know. Oh, I'm not saying it's great. It's great. Yeah. I just I was like, oh, I, I had fun with that. That was surprising. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Oh, patrons, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean yep. about those patrons. You're thinking, how can I get on some of that patron action? Well, friend, I got information for you. Yep. You want to go over to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. You know who the patrons are the good people. Mm. They, they like a thing and they say, you know, I, I like this thing that's happening. I want to I be a part of that. I want to help them out. I want to make my stamp. I want to do what's right. That's what they're doing. Yep. Uh, and and what, what, what has happened out of that is that now there's all these extra shows that we have to do all the time and all of these tasks that didn't exist before. But here's the thing. We're happy to do it for you. We're happy to do it for you because people appreciate it and then we have fun with it after the fact. We wouldn't have done it otherwise. So we've unlocked the patron pick, which happens on this show every time. That has become a really fun thing. We've done the patron powers. If you donate at $5 a higher level, you get a patron power. We've been doing this for years now, I realized. Years. How cool is that? There's the Talksplodes. Sometimes a scheduling problem, but we always get in the end. There's Booksplodes. You know, Connor and I have to read books and talk about them that we would not have done on the show before. There's the media explodes. We get together to talk about all these things that are not comics that are super fun. There's the YouTube uh, stuff being uploaded. All of that's a big list when I put it all out there. Yep. And it's the patrons who've come along and said, you know, like, we want to support this thing. We're going to do this thing. That other stuff is nice. But I get the feeling that that's not why it's happening. The next stretch goal that exists right now, we might look at this, would be a, a G.I. Joe cartoon podcast doing one episode at a time or something like that and then maybe a barbecue email and video show that is the thing we used to do was it once a year once a year we did it for july 4th once once a year on july 4th we would do a show where we would answer emails while we made barbecue and talked about it which sounds ridiculous like if you weren't watching back then you're like what on earth are they talking about that's the thing the other thing that happens is uh is the community there's a there's a new rise of the community as a result of the patrons Mm -hmm. over on the patron group at facebook and the ifanboy discord server it's just those great little communities where people talk and are generally having a good time and talking about things that are interesting to them Uh, it's like the discord server is very got a lot of different channels and stuff um for your your i'm pretty sure they caused me to buy a tv (laughs) <laughs> I'm almost positive that it was like one day they were talking about TVs and I was like, you're right. My TV is old and it's not. My TV was fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but uh, it wasn't OLED and my blacks could have been blacker. Sure. And here we are. And then it broke and now I'm waiting for the new one to show up. Why today. doesn't Josh have any savings? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Largely because my wife is responsible where I grew up poor and will buy anything immediately. Yeah. I read an article about that once, and it's become my excuse for why I am bad with money. Mm-hmm. But I have cool shit. iFanboy.threadless.com is another place that you can go if you want to get some stuff. Uh, we have eight designs available right now to be put on T-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, probably some panties. I don't know. I don't know what some kind of underpants I've never <laughs> wow. seen before. I don't know if they sell those things. I don't know if I want people to buy them with our stuff on them. That's hilarious. Other stuff like that, you can put it on there. Go over to some kind of underpants I've never even seen before. Right. Say firm on them. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, when we think of a new one, uh, we'll get a new one up there for you. Over at ifanboy.com slash support. I'm going to hurry this up. Uh, if you don't want to deal with any of that, there's a PayPal link over there. And then finally, ifanboy.com slash Amazon. There are links to buy all of the books that we talk about on the Booksplode, and always the pick of the week. There's a general link. So that's there. Everybody who does any part of any of those things, or, or you know, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, and the rest of you, you're still good people. I'm not holding it against you. Do what you can. If you can't, that's okay. But thank you. Let's talk about comics more. So we have one more issue of the Green Lantern after this. Thank God. 
This is a tale of two books. The first season was terrific. It was incredible. It was one of our favorite books of the year. The second season has been bizarre and for me un not unreadable but unfollowable. Thank God for Liam Sharp doing career work oh, because it's that's, that's the story. That's the reason I read this book right now. I, I mean, it's imagine. So we'd be twenty three issues into this thing. Yeah. I have no idea what Grant Morrison is on about. It is the most obtuse thing I've read in the longest time. But at the same time, you're looking at Liam Sharp, and every single issue, I go, "Is this still Liam Sharp?" Because he's just <laughs> he keeps changing his style up from page to page. It's insane, and not, but not in a jarring way. Yeah. It's not like, oh, "What's he doing this for?" It just it fits in a way that the style and feel and aesthetic of the art tells me a hell of a lot more about what's going on than whatever the fuck the people are saying because i am a thousand percent lost and every time i think i'm okay i'm kind of getting on the the next issue comes along and i'm like what the hell i'm totally lost and and i i you know you know woe betide anybody who's like oh you guys just love grant morrison I do, but I don't know what this is. This was the Grant Morrison that I was afraid of when I was younger, and it feels like they're like, just do whatever you want. And he's like, okay. We do love Grant Morrison. It doesn't mean we always love what he does. There's, I can think of many books of his I haven't enjoyed. I, I can think of many books of his that are some of my favorite comics of all time, but there's just as many where I'm just like, okay. That's just yeah. the way it goes. He swings for the fences, and it doesn't always work. There was an interesting page here where he... So I don't like these new young guardians who just look like bald people. There's one part where they, he has a vision of the three new Green Lanterns, the Teen Lantern and the kid from the YA book, and then the woman from the book we're not reading, Far Sector. And I don't know what that was supposed to represent, but I could guess, but I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on. How about that Liam Sharp? Yeah, really good. Really, really good. Yep. So there's that. Yeah. But it, there's one left. I think it's worth mentioning oh, sure. we, and it's also just like you and i are both like all right let's get through this let's do it <laughs> like it's like walking through a snowstorm with the wind blowing at you i don't regret reading it every time because i think liam sharp is doing incredible work and so i don't regret. i have to take a big deep breath before i start it i'm like okay here we go i have hope i always hope this will be the one that sort of goes back and makes sense and maybe it'll all yep. make sense in the end i don't think it's so he's done it before sure. i don't see that coming because it all seems so disparate there's like there's just I don't know what one thing if there, there's I'm sure there's a connecting line, but I cannot find it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to check back in on Scarenthood. Mm-hmm. Scarenthood uh, number one was my pick of the week a uh, number of months back. And I've still been reading it. It's this weird little story from Nick Roche about a single dad who has a little girl and the wife is sort of missing. And he makes friends with some of the other parents from the daycare and they go on a sort of mystery supernatural thing. And, and then in the last issue, they all turned on him because he's a desperate weirdo. And then this issue, they go to confront him. He takes him to a priest. It's a whole, I'm not entirely sure, but I do think that there's a really nice drama that is happening in the middle of it. It was this, just this dad who is way overwhelmed by a situation. We find out that his wife is sick and she's away. And so he is taking care of his daughter and, and he doesn't have, like he has a job, but he's not able to pay much attention to it because there's so many things going on. He's got to take care of his daughter. He can only afford to put her in the daycare for about half the day. And so he's got this little amount of time to do all of his job and he's just stressed to hell. And, you know, he's friends with these other parents, but they can't do a lot. I, I, I think there's probably something in there that it, it speaks to me <laughs> and well, it, it's not my situation. It's much more, it's different and it's, but it's stressful in, in a certain way. It's not exactly a situation, but it's not exactly not your situation either. Yeah. There's days. There's a lot of humanity in it. I really like the art. I think the characters are really interesting. It takes place in 
I want to say Great Britain, but it turned times in this. I, I know it's Great Britain, but at times I was like, is this Northern Ireland? I wasn't quite sure. Doesn't matter. But the you know the dialogue's really good and it's written very uh, in the vernacular of of the folks who are there. And, and Britain can be a melting pot, so they could be from everywhere. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I'm still reading it. The, the supernatural part, notwithstanding, I think it's there's something to do with fairies, mm-hmm. like the Neil Gaiman type of fairies. Right. Yep. F A E R fairies. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still reading it. I still like it. Uh, if, if you thought maybe I are forgot. you still reading Birthright? I am. You the whole time? Yeah. Wow. There hasn't been for me a heck of a lot to talk about in most of the issues. There was a big battle. It was kind of what it was. I, I I like the characters a lot, and I feel like I'm connected to them. The overall story I've followed and not followed it as we've gone through it. But basically, the big battle's over. There's four issues left. This is 46. We'll go through 50. And so this is a little bit of an aftermath epilogue period, but there's still mm-hmm. stuff going on. I want to think I'd compare it to like Lord of the Rings after the book's over. And the last one, there's about a half a book left is the scouring of the Shire and all the stuff that goes on. That's kind of what's happening with this one is that there's cleanup to be done. It doesn't end with them sort of standing over the vanquished hero in the credits roll mm-hmm. or the villain. So it's kind of interesting, but also I, I think it is time. It is time, you know, like to wrap this guy up, yeah. but you know, it's a hell of an accomplishment. You can do 50 issues of this kind of thing. You know, the same artist, Andre Versan, through all of it. It's beautiful. Like, it's a really, really well-drawn book. It's a guy, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that name at all, but, you know, showed up every time. It's gotten better through the whole thing. There's a lot of heart in it and, you know, family drama and all sorts of this weird stuff. The setup, you know, how it begins is still, you know, this kid goes to a place where life goes a lot Time moves a lot faster than it does here. So when he returns, he's grown up and his parents, you know, just thought he was missing for a number of years. You know, there's a lot of drama in there. There's a ton of it. And uh, I've, I've overall enjoyed it. I, I, I've liked it a lot. So there's four left. I will report back on sort of how it ends. But uh, that's where we are. I wanted to mention Rorschach, number five, Tom King, Jorge Fornes, Dave Stewart, Clayton Cowles, because I feel like an idiot for not realizing until now that the main guy is basically Columbo. <laughs> he, he has the hair. He has the jacket. He's a little short. And at one point, he's looking at the camera. And I was like, oh, right. Tom King's a big Columbo fan, too. Why didn't I realize this? He looked exactly like Columbo. So that's what I wanted to mention. I like the issue. It's basically a character piece for the conservative candidate for president, who the target of the assassination attempt in the first issue. And it starts off with this Secret Service agent telling Columbo, because I'm just going to call him because I don't know what his name is, that this guy's the real deal. He's a good guy who can really change this country and turn it around. And, we, and, and of course, we know he's not evil, but he's definitely not like the saint that he's made out to be in the very beginning of the issue. As we yeah. learn about him, which I really, I think, you know, that's a very interesting and 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 uh, re, you know, a little bit of LBJ in there. <sighs> I got thoughts. I got I got to read those books, but uh, I have thoughts. It's a, he's a really interesting one. Guy who does whatever he needs to do the good thing, and is it about his ego? But does that matter? Oh, I love that. No, there's just something with the meetings in the toilet. I know. I just, but that's what this guy is like. Yeah. So you got to wonder, like, oh, he's kind of an asshole in the room, but does that matter? Right. Yeah. You know, do you need a guy like that to get stuff done? Is his heart in the right place? Doesn't matter. You know, like, anyway. I know what direction we're going in mm-hmm. now, I think. But I know that there's also going to be a twist on that. But at least I, I, I don't. In the early on, it's like, I don't know what I'm reading. And now I do. Mostly. Or at least enough to move on. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. The patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. It's called The Patron Pick. And this week we had a three-way horse race with three books leading the race at given any given time during the voting period. But we ended up with Black Hammer Visions, number one, as the winner from Dark Horse Comics. Patton Oswalt, 
This is the writer Dean Kotz is the artist. Jason Wordy is the colorist, and Nate Picos is the letterer. And this is the new anthology miniseries in the Black Hammer world, featuring writing by different art writers who are not Jeff Lemire. We've had non-Jeff Lemire Black Hammer books. We had a Matt Kent one. But here, this is specifically about other writers doing one-shot issues. Like, this is Pat Oswalt. Next month is Jeff Johns. So we're getting... Dean Kotz, is, is he the main artist on the main book? No. Is not? Okay. No. I just know that name. But I thought it was really good. So what I think is interesting is that earlier you were like, oh, this is just Greatest American Hero. Yeah. And then after that, we said, oh, this is Columbo. Right. And then I was right at the end of this book, and I went, oh, this is Ghost World. Exactly Ghost World, yeah. It's exactly. This is a little one-shot about two girls from, they're not exactly the Ghost World characters, but they're, they're the Ghost World characters. It's, it's Eunice and not Enid. Right. And it's, I don't know the other girls' names. Whatever their names are. They just graduated from high school. They just come from their graduation, and they're at the diner talking about their time at high school. And as it turns out, they went to school with Gail Gibbons, who in the Black Hammer world is basically Shazam mixed a little bit with Kid Marvel Man, Miracle Man, who Mm -hmm. was trapped in the body. And that's Mm -hmm. her thing. Gail Gibbons is Shazam, who's been unable to turn back into... Which also happened in the center tree which jeff lemire wrote is there's the their kid kid marvel jesus captain marvel jr yeah is like a short order cook in that story and century he can't jr. change back yeah in the century book and and he can't change back either and he becomes the villain in that story that's that's kid marvel man for sure Gail yeah. Kimmons is not the villain in black hammer but she's just, sure she's just the can canker's 50 year old woman trapped in an I don't even know what age Gail Gibbons' body is. But Eight she, to ten. She doesn't age. She doesn't grow. She just wants a cigarette and a solid lay. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought as a character piece, this was fun. As them, deal, them sort of dealing with the memory of, wait, there was that girl that joined us in junior high, and then she went away, and then we saw her cousin again, who looked exactly like her, and wait a minute. And I thought it was a one-shot character piece. It was really fun, and I thought the art was terrific. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed it. You know, at the end, I thought, oh, it's weird that you're going to do Ghost World, but as an homage. And also, that was 20 years ago now. It's not like anybody, you know, it's it's right. it's not like picking up the the most cool thing, you know, and being like, oh, man, I'm going to do an homage to this. It is it is a little bit of a love letter in that sense. I think that not being a Black Hammer reader, I figured it out. You know, like mm-hmm. I figured, I was like, oh, I see. That's probably one of the characters from that book. Created a cool little mystery, you know, of the, if you're watching this from a you know from a different perspective you know it's sort of like what would it be like to be in this world where there's this person and how they would get by it's funny because i thought wouldn't you move out of the town because the teachers don't move on even though the <laughs> students do and i liked i thought the strongest parts of it were i think Patton oswald has, has come in and done comics now and again yep but for a little while it was, it was obvious he does like the this Modoc is, book we talked about before yeah but you know they were always sort of silly and like here's the funny guy and he'll do a funny thing and this wasn't exactly that and i, and I thought that it showed a little more experience mm-hmm. with the format and he, like basically like he's gotten to be a better writer i think in this format he's you know right. not understanding his comedy or anything like that anyway i think the best bits were gail you know she's old and she knows things and she tells the one girl out of nowhere she's like you know keep being weird don't let this town do whatever you know which is a nice thing that somebody needs to hear which i thought but she must not like the other girl and then she tells the other girl 
you guys aren't going to be friends anymore and that's okay. You have to go forward with it. And I was like, that's some wisdom that people could have used. <laughs> yeah. And I thought this was really nice. You're going to grow apart and it's fine. And then finally, I thought the fact that Eunice, which I wanted to say Enid, goes and finds her and he's like, all right, just tell me what's up. Yeah. Like I figured this out and, and they, they did. There wasn't, there, you know, and then there's some other mystery that happens at the end of it. One of the other characters, so I don't really know who her DC analog is, sort of wipes her memory. Yeah. Do you think it needed the Ghost World quote at the end? No. Or is that a two on the nose? It's certainly... Yeah. I had figured it out just before that. You know, like it yeah. dawned on me. And then that was like, oh, I guess I was right. On the one hand, I think that if he didn't, then it maybe kind of looked like he would, maybe he was trying to rip off a thing. And I think mm-hmm. that by putting it there, he's saying, this is just a tribute, man. I just love that thing. Yeah, I'm, not, so I'm, not, I'm on the here. fence about it. And I think that's a good point that I didn't think of is that it sort of makes it clear this is, this is a homage. It's, yeah. It's not, I don't have an idea, so I just did this other thing. It's giving credit, you know. It's like when people, when artists will do a, uh, a, a piece of work in the style of somebody else, so it'll be like, you know, so-and-so after Alex Toth. I right. think it's like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're totally. acknowledging the thing that they're using. Well, I liked it. Was, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. Ratings. 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 Out of five, I'm going to give it uh, four. I liked it a lot. I thought the art was terrific. I want to go between three, seven, five, and four, but I'm going to I'll lean to four. All right. So you're going to read the next issue of Visions? I think that really depends. It's Jeff Johns and Scott Collins. Really? Yeah. That's going to be a very different book than this one. The preview of Image is a bloody axe and somebody running from mm-hmm. uh, somebody else. So I don't know. I guess. Uh, I got to say, I saw that another Black Hammer book had been voted patron pick, and I was like, oh, we've done this many times. I've given the same review over and over again, and this subverted my expectations, and I like that. Well, good. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where the patrons vote, but also at the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show, like these patrons. Lando Enchantment, which is a lot of different mixed metaphors at the same time. Not his real name. Can't be. No. I, I mean, if it is, bravo, Mr. and Mrs. Enchantment. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, that's already your last name. You're like, what if we name him Lando? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the mother was like, good idea, Dengar. And if he's not the coolest kid in school, then... then yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I always try to give my first son a, jo- a name like that, and I think that that would have been a mistake. Not Lando, but like... Wedge. It was like a little bit where I was like, what if we name him Elvis? She was like, no. I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> did you even float Wedge? No. Right. But I did try to go with Quint for some time. Did you float Wedge as a middle name? No. I don't think I was... I don't think I was a zealot at that point. Hmm. Well, you had another one. You had a chance to make up for it. Yeah, it's true. He's kind of Wedge-like. No, the, the little one's more like a Han Solo type. He looks like Wedge. <laughs> okay i'm just saying i don't know he's got brown hair what does wedge look like anyway we need to talk about lando <laughs> this is all stalling i should have thought of something in that meantime every year yeah. on january 1st lando gets to pick one skill at which he's the best in the world at it just for one year Yep, for one year he gets to be the best in the world at that thing. So this year on, on January 2nd, he's like, I am the world's best sushi cook. And then the next year, I am the world's best ski jumper. And he can choose the thing. Now, it might have to do with whatever he's interested in at a given time. It might be what the world needs. And that, that is the burden that is on Lando Enchantment. With great power comes great responsibility or a bitch in good time. And the thing is, like, 
being the can't, best doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to succeed. Like, you can, I'm going to be the world's best yeah. writer this year. It doesn't mean you're going to get a book published. Well, that's a problem, though, because yeah. he can't do it the next year. He goes back to whatever his, you know, his normal thing was. Right. Or you, or you get it published. Like, what's next? You're like, uh, yeah. this really, and he really can't, he bad. can't reuse. Right. It's like uh, the girl in the Runaways who can't reuse a spell. I guess you'd have to write like ten books in that year, mm-hmm. and put one out a year for anyway. Well, I'm just, just being good at it. This, yeah. Just being good at it doesn't mean you do it. <laughs> Ask Kyle Higgins. Ben Huang. Is, uh, ben Huang can uh, project his memories onto a television, and his memories are seen in you know the highest fidelity that that system allows. So like, you know, it could up to up to like four K, seven point one Dolby really Atmos like, surround sound. I really like the specific technical aspect of that. But it's not like from his perspective. It's like it, it's like it's been shot and directed by like a peak TV person. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it looks like. A peak TV television show of his memory. Are the people in it the actual people, or are they like? Oh, it's, it's actually his memory. It's just it's okay. just repackaged as, as uh, you know, slickly shot and edited. Yeah, piece. Suddenly, All right. Suddenly, his high school days look like Friday Night Lights or something. Here's my question. Uh huh. Does this work when he's asleep and he's dreaming? <laughs> no, that no, no. He he consciously does it. Okay. Yeah, not his dreams, his memories. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not always the same. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks to Ben and Lando for being patrons. What have we here? Are we going to do one email? Yeah. Let's do it. Which one? Two. The second one. Ken from the the Great White North of Canada. Ken says, why are Superman and Batman vastly more popular than, say, Doc Savage? Is it simply the slight difference in media? I don't know. Why I there? like this question, but I couldn't. It wasn't the one that I was like, here's why. I didn't really think about it, but I only had a few days. And I don't know that I have a, an answer, but I think if we compare it to Doc Savage, some of the things from the past that were a big deal then didn't age as well because they fit more in the time period. And so the context of that time period is lost on us now, where another concept like Superman is pretty universal. Captain America, pretty universal and can be adapted for the time. Whereas Doc Savage, like it's a weird name. Maybe that was a word that was sort of used more in a different way back then or like the Phantom didn't. Well, the pulp characters were supplanted by the superheroes. But the real yeah. question is why is one thing more popular than another is often you can't, you can't know. It's unknowable. Like why is Superman more popular than – no, Superman is a bad example because there's really no other superheroes around. But why is – Captain America more popular than than the other patriotic heroes they put out at the time. Why is mm-hmm. Batman more popular than Namor? Because they all came around at the same time. It's just a matter of there's something that people respond to in the in the alchemy of the creation more than the yeah. other one. And it's not necessarily good or bad. Like the pulp characters are awesome, but they were supplanted by superheroes. I think there is an element of of reduction. Meaning that there's something in that creation, in the name, in the design that reduces the main element down to something so, I want to say pure, but there's probably a better word for it, you know, that it just resonates across generations and it carries on. Like something about Batman, and that's not something I think you can put a finger on. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. To, it's just something, something people react in a, you know, art is emotional 
You know, it's yeah. not it's not clinical. You know, you can't put a formula together to create great art. It's just it's or, or to understand or love it. You, you you can try, but like ultimately it's what touches you. Why does someone look at one a painting and one person loves it, another person hates it? It's just it's an emotional response and that's why did people respond emotionally to Batman versus Doc Savage? I don't know. I mean, they just did. So, well, I mean, I, but I think it, I think it is more specific than that. And uh, let me use a, a metaphor. Yeah, I know, Josh. That's weird. You're going to use a metaphor, but here we go. And I'm going to use a music metaphor. There is a lot of music out there that is more interesting and well conceived and more emotion, you know, more intellectually charged than like blues. Blues but, is relatively simple in terms of music, but there is something about the connections of those sounds, which there's not many, that just seem to hold on better than other stuff from that time. You can listen to a blues record that was recorded in 1920 and feel something that you might not if you listen to like a big band thing at the time. It's, it's again, it's reduced down to something. But you, again, all those things you just said could be flipped in their head and someone else could have a different reaction. I love big, someone could say, I love big band music no, and I hate the blues. Like it's all, it's those, all emotional. It's all. Right. It, but we're talking about a widespread personal. thing. We're talking about the things that affect the most people more than others. I think it's, again, if you, like, well, if, if you, you look you, at music. Yeah, you know, if you go that way, the, this big band is way more popular than the blues. I, not the point. It's talking about, like, how it, stuff that sort of sticks around and, and influences stuff because it's so. You'll get with you get a thing with musicians where they'll be like, why wouldn't why would people like Led Zeppelin more than they like Rush? Rush are clearly much better musicians, but like basically that one band got to the heart of something, even though it's Rolling Stones is another reason. Like it's very simple, but there's a thing about that that endures longer than things that are not that. And I think when you talk about Superman, it's a very very simple concept from his design to the idea of who he is to the name itself. You like you can almost like you can pin so many things to it because there's not a lot to have to hang on to that the idea of it moves along a lot better than some of the other ones. And Namor is a tough one, but you know, the, I, th- I think it has to do with some sort of reduction of of aesthetic in there that that carries on. But you can't exactly understand why or put your finger on what that is. I don't think the whole pulp genre was supplanted. You know, mm-hmm. it's just uh, that's just hap- that's just. Just, just I mean, but there's happens. trends. There's trends that happen in terms of like westerns or war or you know that that happened not just in comics but in movies and things like that right but what i'm saying really... is though that you had you had popular characters like doc savage and like the phantom who filled that role the third the, the 30s adventuring character and then they, for whatever reason they were taken over by superheroes well i mean and... even superheroes in a concept is like it's an extension of that though like yeah. for some reason superheroes their popularity has ebbed and flowed, but has not gone away, and it has come back at times, you know, in an unimaginable way. We, you know, like over and over and over again. And like you and I like westerns, but we know the westerns are not coming back. It is right. not going to be the dominant force in film and television at any point. It's a, it's a footnote. Again, that's like jazz or or like whatever. And the superhero will not go away. And then the, you know, like you talk well, about power, Superman, like power fantasy. The, They're never going away. I guess it's yeah. very interesting, but it gets to something very human that, you know, that you and I responded to as little kids and are still talking about today. I don't know what that is. The world is scary and we are fragile and we wish we weren't. I don't we know. Wish we had more control and power over it, but we don't. Or, so. or, you know, you want there to be people. I see. I don't think about it that way. I think I want there to be good people who have power who are helping. Right. Because they'd have to, because it's the right thing to do. Or I'd like to think that, like, if I had that kind of power, if I could do that, I would want to do those things. I think that's something 
there's a nobility to it. You can look at it the other way, and there's been lots of stories about it that way. But I think I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, it's all weird. Why does why does one thing rise and another fall? It's just just yeah. tastes change. It, like it, Josh it said, strikes what, a the nerve. Western was the was the dominant American pop cultural genre for decades, and then one day it wasn't. It was. I mean, also it was. You know big part of the national identity, you know, it, you know, it, it manifest destiny and the expansion to the West was still a living, a thing in living memory. You know, uh, you know, Harry Truman's mom, you know, they lived on the frontier, you know, right. they, they, you know, that stuff was all very real up in, in the early, you know, early 1900s. Wyatt Earp went to Hollywood, yeah. you know, like, like you could know a person right now who knew Wyatt Earp or his parents did. And that's crazy. But, right, but the point way, is, like, and then one, and then one day just wasn't. It just yeah. things yes. that, that just changes, you yeah. know. It's hard yep. to say. Alan Moore tried his best to bring those characters back, but didn't stick. So, yeah, contact at ifanboy.com is how you can write in. Like Ken from Canada. Hope you're enjoying your healthcare up there, Ken. <laughs> what do we got? What do we got, Josh? <laughs> Let's see. There was a bookplode recently released, Jack Kirby: The Epic Life and the King of Comics by Tom Scioli, uh, which Connor and I talked about. And you you can get that podcast in the feed. I'm just going to go through these because it's easier. Right. Um, we really enjoyed it uh, this past week. Uh, you and the Animation Brain Trust talked about Batman: Soul of the Dragon, 70s Kung Fu Batman. That's not a bad. That's not a big bad call. Um, the idea awesome. is that this week a talkplode should go up. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But there was. There was a delay uh-huh. because of an illness, and I'm going to try it. So I can't promise it, but I'm, I'm going forward. This is why we don't tell you who's coming. Right. You never know. And then after that, we've got a patron hangout coming out on February 20th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, and then a media explode sometime. Well, sh- hopefully the week after, because we're going to record the media explode that day too. Yeah. Yep. So that's the stuff that's coming up. Finally, head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our shows and our vast history of comic book writing and many podcasts from all of our talented writing staff, which doesn't include me, like facebook.com slash ifanboy. And you can – I made that a comparison, but it was supposed to be an imperative. Like facebook.com slash ifanboy <laughs> and follow at ifanboy on Twitter and at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. You can see best of the week in panels uh, when we're able to get those up. And you can finally follow us individually, C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and uh, Jay Flanagan on Instagram as well. And then um, there's the YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. Like and subscribe. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. I don't know how those people do it. Uh, to keep up to date on the old video show re-uploads, this past week we've got DC edition Vault. Vault comic where we each pick a trade or, or a collected edition. So we have Man of Steel, John Burns thing, Cosmic Odyssey, Mike Mignola. That one Who dude wrote, wrote in recently and asked if we'd ever review it. And this was the, yeah, this was the video show we talked about Cosmic Odyssey. It's finally up on YouTube. And JSA, which was I guess the miniseries that Jeff Johns and James Robinson I think did? so. Okay. Uh, then there's it. a... There's a mini uh, that Ron did about Iron Man 243. No, you did that. Which, no, Ron, it's his show. I looked. I went and looked at it. Is it me? It's I you. I swear I saw him holding Tony it. Tony Stark shot Iron Man 243. Look back at Iron Man 243. It's you. I looked at it last night. I was very tired. I literally put the show on YouTube and redid the clips. And everything. I believe you. I don't not believe you. There's I'm another just, Iron Man a... mini from Ron coming next week. In which Ron, he talks about skates? Iron Man skates. But you did the yeah. Iron Man 243, Tony Stark shot. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yep. I don't know why I saw that. Anyway, I, I didn't find another new one. There, the third, so yeah, that's this, this morning. Well, as we record this, this our discovering manga episode, in which oh. we had the viewers. I was going to say listeners. The viewers choose manga for us to read because we weren't really up on manga, and we read the three or four top choices and talked about it on that show, and generally embarrassed ourselves. Sure. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah, I imagine that's terrible and, and it's aged even worse. <laughs> so those are both on YouTube. If you like the show, please leave our star rating or review for this show or any podcast you listen to on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, wherever fine podcasts are sold. That's how people find shows and we thank you for doing so. Um, we really do appreciate that. Even better that is word of mouth if people ask, people and people ask all the time on social media, what podcasts are you listening to? What comics podcasts do you like? People... Uh, mention us all the time we thank them for doing that that's how people find the show even after all these years even after all these years podcasts are new to people and so we thank you for spreading the word and we do appreciate it and until next week i am connor and i'm josh thank you so much for listening and contributing and listening to us still it means it means the world to us this past year it's been hugely helpful so i don't i don't know why i decided to do that just now but it was a thought i had and i meant it i know i you know what i'm gonna go ahead and speak for connor too i believe that he feels that way also i didn't even ask him I know. Stay safe. <laughs> Wash your hands. Wear your mask. I do feel that way. I just didn't know what was going on, so I wasn't making any sudden movements. <laughs> don't move. I don't know what he's doing. I might have to edit this out. I think we're safe. Okay, good. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Killing me by I'm gonna dry my blue away. Going to the steel red. See, I'll stay.